the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Paul Peck with the founder and editor of SpotTrack.com, Mike Chinetti. Our regular third wheel, Kevin Sylvester, is off this week. We gave him a little summertime break here. So Mike and I are going to carry the load. We've got a great show for you today. Running backs in the news in the NFL. Mike's got some really cool tidbits about that. And then, Mike, we're going to really dive into what is becoming, I think, because it got floated out a little bit in the last week or so, the CBA negotiations for the NFL and how they're going to impact on the sport in the future. We're going to have a great guest to talk about that yeah you bet we i was inclined to stay on course with the nba because it's just been such a, a circus and yep. chaos and so much fun but i feel like we need to take a break you know get, get back to the nfl just for a little bit before we have the i mean they're on summer break so there's not much happening but it's actually a pretty good time to start assessing some of these numbers because we're getting into fantasy drafts there's going to be some more training camps for less than two weeks away you're going to have 90 man roster cuts coming up before we even know it yeah preseason and, yep. and all of that sort of intertwines with the cba negotiations too with how things might change so it's kind of a nice little situation we've got going yeah here. really in-depth joel Corey, who's a, a longtime sports agent and now a contributor for a number of media outlets is going to join us on this edition of the podcast to talk a little bit about what the impact of the cba is we're going to we're going to really dive in here i think you're going to be really uh, interested and educated to hear some of the stuff that the experts mike and joel have to say we want to remind you that the Spot Track Podcast is presented by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment, empowering professional athletes and entertainers with the knowledge they need to make informed decisions about their finances and wealth. Learn more by visiting morganstanley.com GSE, Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC member SIPC. All right, a little bit of running back news. Uh, in the in well in the news in the last week or so since we did our last edition of the podcast with Melvin Gordon's holdout and you know it, it, what it what it is 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 you kind of shake your head and you go yeah he's pretty good um, <laughs> key guy on a potential Super Bowl caliber team and you know but is he ever going to get paid and and that's where we're at with running backs even the good ones we've talked about this with Ezekiel Elliott now you're talking about it with with Gordon that's, are these guys ever going to get paid again and frankly should they ever get paid again let, let's kind of like trail back the last 12 12 months of the running back situation right the Le'Veon Le'Veon Bell situation was a train wreck yep I don't think anybody would, would argue that right it was a train wreck and yes he got some money and he's on a new team, and, and maybe all worked out for him in that in that regard. And and let's let's say with the Le'Veon Bell, the Steelers were willing to pay him. Sure. You know, I know there's some perception that no team <laughs> wants to pay running backs yeah. anymore. The Steelers were willing to pay Le'Veon Bell. He just wasn't willing to take what they were offering. Well, be, because of the structure, because right. of that crazy Steelers, we're not going to guarantee your salary structure. So I, I give him credit for that. He was on the wrong team especially for a running back. If you're a running back and you want a good contract, a second contract, you're not going to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. That's just that's just a fact right now. Look out, James Conner. I Conner. think that's an ever-growing list Look of out, teams, James Conner. We're, we're going to talk about that. But let's talk about it. So Le'Veon Bell holds out the entire year. Todd Gurley gets paid. Then he's, hurt. then he's a ghost in the, in the playoffs, yep. right? He's a ghost. and to, to Which this, I think is a worse sign for all the running backs than Le'Veon Bell. Right, because he gets $14 million a year, and maybe and we're all sitting here talking and thinking, oh, maybe we're on the uptick. And all these running backs are thinking so, right? Because Gurley is sort of you know carrying the load for this whole situation. Then his knee gives out, and we still don't know. I mean, there nobody's really using the term degenerative, but it, I think that's the word, right? So, I think so, So now yeah. the highest paid player who just got paid – who's got two more years fully guaranteed, has this knee situation, is going to be a running back by committee in, in L.A. 
David Johnson gets $13 million a year. He goes away the next year with an injury. Didn't, didn't return to full form last year. Le'Veon Bell, who knows? Who knows, right? We'll see. He, Maybe nobody he's knows the guy what... that can carry this torch. But, you know, and he's, he, he's got the numbers to, to hold it up. If he's still the receiver slash running back he was two years ago, maybe he's the guy to carry this thing forward. But Zeke Elliott's not getting paid right now, and that looks bad. That looks like it could go. I mean, let's be fair. I heard just this morning, yeah. as driving over here, some rumors about him, you know, maybe not showing up for camp. He's still third in that list in terms of Dallas contracts needing to get done. Dak's not done. Mari's not even close. So is he even going to get discussed in the next two months? Probably not. He's got to be third on that priority because list. Because Dak's not taken under 30. There's just no question. That's, that's the, that's the hang-up right now. We've got him at $27 million. I bet you Dallas has him about 28 I bet yeah. you they do. And he wants 30 And rightfully mm-hmm. so. That's what the kids are getting these days. But if they're not even close on Dak and Amari, Zeke, Zeke's making $9 million next year on his fifth-year option. Right. Is anybody going to gawk at that? I mean, we're going to talk about some of these numbers. $9 million for one year for a running back is pretty darn good money right now, and I'm not sure it's going to get much better. But let's, get, let's talk about Melvin Gordon. You, you're right. Touchdown machine. Yeah. He does everything. I'm not sure he's that much of a, the best running back on his team right now. Well, and that, you know, again, it's crazy <laughs> to say that, and it's much like we talk about with Gurley. He might not be the, you know, and again, that the, the, to say that needs explanation. Yeah. To say they're not the best running back on their team is not that they're not incredibly good and productive, but at that position, you better be talking about age. You better be talking about how close they are to 30. You better be talking about potential uh, injuries, potentially, or what they've had, and you better talk about how they're being used on those teams. That, to me, what the running back position has changed is because of usage, as teams have gotten away from running the ball so much, and the fact that kids can come in in their first year out of the draft, not even first-round picks, and be ultra-productive right away, that's, to me, what the dynamic has changed for the position. There, there's no question, and we're going to get into the depth discussion a little bit more, and we've, we've talked about it before, but I, let's just talk about the, the the big top 10 running backs in the league, top 10 in terms of money right now. Th- this is the list we're dealing with. This is the resume Melvin Gordon has to take to, to the Chargers, right? Three of them got new contracts this year, Le'Veon Bell, Mark Ingram, Latavius Murray. Like I said, Bell might be the one guy who can pull out and, and sort of take this thing along a little bit. One of them is Zeke Elliott at $9 million, right? These are, these are running backs making at least $10 million over the next three seasons. That's how small things have gotten. I mean, you're, you, you see these NBA contracts coming in. If you're making $10 million a year, $10 million over three years in the NBA. You're like the ninth guy on the roster. Oh, you're the 12th guy. That's, <laughs> okay. a, vet, that's a veteran minimum contract for gotcha. the NBA right now. All right. $10 million over three years. So that's where we are. I mean, the running backs are essentially veteran minimum contracts right now. These are, there are only 10 running backs set to make $10 million over the next three seasons. 10. Bell, Ingram, Murray, just signed new deals. We'll wait and see. We'll give them a year. Zeke Elliott, because of next year's fifth-year option, we assume he's going to play that out now with no contract in sight. Jarek McKinnon, probably cut after this year. Devontae Freeman, could be cut after this year. Deion Lewis probably going to be cut after this year. Deion Lewis and Mark he was on my bubble this year. Starter on their team. He was on my bubble this year. Yeah, Derrick Henry finally broke out. Right. Duke Johnson probably going to be traded or released after this year. Definitely not likely the starter. Yeah. And then Gurley with the knee problem. David Johnson with injury issues. He's he's had you know mild production over the past two seasons because of those. And here's the other thing. Here's the other side of this. So we've got ten running backs. $10 $10 million for three years, which is already a bargain. There are 175 signed running backs who are making less than $5 million over the next three years. 175. 
you can find yourself a decent running back yeah. in that pool right yep. there. Yeah, and sure. And pay half of what the, the top 10 are making. Yeah. That's the difference right now. It, it, it's, you know, I mean, there's examples across the NFL where running backs get drafted either last year or this year, middle rounds, and they're either expected to be the leaders, the leading rushers, or likely to be. And, you know, it is, it's, it's incredibly interesting to see the, the, the 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 evolution of that position from a time when running backs consistently went in the top five, top ten of the draft because they were worthy of it to the point now where you can get them anywhere, they'll be productive, and we and and it's clearly the one position we've talked an awful lot about it on the Spot Track podcast where draft them, use them, get rid of them. How can you not? How can you not at this the point? The facts back and I hate it up. saying that from an, from an athlete's standpoint, but I, it does. The analytics have to completely ruin this position. They just have. There are there are too many trends and too many numbers to say that keeping this guy for five six years makes no sense. Yeah, and and the and the in, the, the continued emphasis on the passing game. You know, the yeah. spread offense that has now become as prominent in in NFL offensive schemes as it was in college has again less running, less need for a. 25 carry a game running back more need for a versatile half receiver half running back guy and so, and, and again you know what of those big money guys how many carries per game are they averaging perfect. that's where your analytics goes but, but I, I I guess that's why I, I circle back to Le'Veon Bell with that conversation Paul because he had 85 catches two years ago I mean he's a he's a wide receiver who can run the ball let's be fair here right so if that's the market right if Le'Veon Bell ends up doing that for the Jets this year if he's a 70 catch 1900 yards from scrimmage player again for the Jets now is that the kind of running back that gets paid the not really running back the, that may be the only right? kind of is running back Elvin, yeah does that mean Elvin Kamara's got a chance to get yeah paid, right? I think so I mean you know and paid may be relative to you know defining that you know paid more than the traditional running back but I don't know about quote unquote paid well they won't be wide receiver paid right no because they're not no. really a wide receiver right. and they're not really a running back. So there's going to be a middle ground, which is where Bell is right now, yeah. which is why I thought the numbers made perfect sense. It was that they were the same numbers Pittsburgh were offering. So we were all on the same page here, by the way. It's just a matter of guaranteed money and things like that. But to me, that's the only way that, that a player p- comes out of this position with a paycheck. Yeah, to back up the numbers that we're talking about, to back up the fact that running backs come from everywhere, yes. I want you to run through what you did some research on. Projected 2019 starters, you looked at two per team, right. where they've come from, yeah, where, we're, where we're they've come from there, in the draft. Paul. The first-rounders have almost been flipped at this point. There's 11 projected first-round starters, then 13 seconds, 10 third-rounders, 12 fourth-rounders. Wow. So your second, third, and fourth 22 rounders. 22 third and fourth rounders. Yeah. And then look, there's eight undrafted. Eight projected starters in the, in the NFL this year are going to be undrafted. And, and one of them, Austin Eckler, right behind Melvin Gordon, that's by the right. way. So th- that's the landscape we're looking at right now. Yeah, the second, the third, the fourth round, when you don't have that fifth year, which is why Zeke Elliott's making money, <laughs> you know, and teams realize we don't have to do that anymore. We can get these guys on four-year flat contracts and then if we have to franchise tag him, we'll do that for one year, which is essentially a fifth-year option. But, yeah, it's getting murkier and murkier instead of better and better for this position. Remind me to ask Joel Corey how he would handle this as an agent Good with call. a prominent running back yeah. because, as you said, the analytics have now changed the position. But how does an agent handle a player like a Melvin Gordon or an Ezekiel who are – 
top flight players and explain to them, you're never going to get paid again because this is how the league is. I'm sure that doesn't, that's not an easy conversation. And I'm sure it doesn't go over very well. Well, I, I wonder if it's this. I wonder, I, I wonder if, because there has, to be, there has to be a group of teams that need this. I think one of the teams right now is Buffalo, by the way, where we are right now. Right. They could, I think a Melvin Gordon, even on a contract, makes sense here. Not, not with their seven current running backs right now. They'd have yeah. to obviously remove half of those. But my point is there is a point in the team-building window where paying a featured running back makes sense. And I think it might be the first two years of your quarterback's contract, right? I mean, if, if, if Dak Prescott was two years ago. To carry the load and be able to well, handle that, the money not too, so, right? Not so much that. Just you're, you're in a position where you can overspend in certain areas because your quarterback is so cheap or because your wide receiver is so cheap. Those positions of power, if you're on values with them, Russell Wilson for, for all those years in Seattle when he you know, came out of the gates in his first year, when you have those two, three years of luxury, go and get yourself a high-paid running back. Do it. Go and get a proven number one running back like a Melvin Gordon, like a Zeke Elliott. I, I just think they're both in scenarios. I mean, they're going to have to pay Phillip Rivers. Nobody's even talked about Phillip Rivers. He's on an expiring contract right now. That's right. So unless they're ready to flip the switch on their quarterback – the Chargers are in the same boat as Dallas, right? Uh, and the same boat as the Rams with Goff. They're all in a position where the quarterback has to get paid right now. There's no way the running back falls in line after that. And it's funny because I thought of, and, and here's the nature of where this position has, the highest paid running back in the league is LaShawn McCoy right now, right? Um, to me, if they can't get a deal done with Melvin Gordon and he's looking towards a holdout, I think LaShawn McCoy has the potential to be a target for the Chargers in a trade when I don't, I think the Bills would love there to be a market for LaShawn McCoy, and I don't think there's one that exists right now. Probably not. You probably need an injury this this offseason. But, but a team like up. a Super Bowl-caliber team like the Chargers if, that now has a hole they didn't think they were going to have. Because of a holdout, you're saying? Yeah, might say, yeah. get me LaShawn McCoy, and I'll see what I can't get out of him before he's done. Do the Bills just trade for the rights to Gordon? And then extend him. I hadn't thought about that, but but um, because they do fit this this building, they're window. a little more of a heavier team that's emphasis on the run. So yeah. it makes some sense. I but they just drafted a running back in the third round too. But not a Melvin Gordon type. No, and and that's the point. The other point to be made here: the reason you need two or three, right, at all times, is because these Le'Veon Bell types exist now. These Alvin Kamara's, these and these all these rookies that just got drafted, right? The Singletaries, the Montgomerys. The, the Miles Sanders, these guys are being bred to be wide receiver slash running backs, and that's fine. That's you, you said there's an open offense now. There's no question this is a passing offense now. But you still need your bell cow. Right? Do you, though? You do. Do you? I don't know. But, I'll argue with you on that, that a bell cow is going to get 13 carries a game. That's fine, though. It might, my point after that is going to be you just don't need to pay the bell cow. <laughs> right, I don't. You I can't. Can, I don't even player. know that you need that anymore. I think. Is I don't. I think you can have two or three running backs who will combine right. for the numbers that you saw in the two thousands from the great running backs. You uh, you transitioned perfectly into my next point here. I, I'm calling this the Patriots way, and I and I put some numbers together, just speaking to exactly what you just said, because Sony Michelle, James White, and Rex Burkhead in 2018. Sorry, in, in for the upcoming season account for a combined $9.8 million of the Patriots' Incredibly salary cap. Incredibly low in every Less way. Less than $10 million, right. right? So you've got Gurley, David Johnson, Bell, and McCoy, who account for $9 million alone each. Okay? So, th so here's the question, right? I I'll give you the numbers. I've got the stats from last year. Would you rather have 
LaShawn McCoy or Michelle White and Burkhead? By the trio by far. By far. Not a doubt in my mind. Really? Because look at the production that they got out of those guys. What if look, it's girly? Look at the, what if it's girly, though? Well, Paul? yeah, but... But here's the question, Mike, and this is what we're talking about overall. Gurley was great, and the production was amazing. Can you come close to that level of production with that trio or any trio and still be successful? And I think in the NFL these days you can. I think that, again, the difference between what Todd Gurley does and what that trio or any trio does, that gap has become so much smaller now by nature of the way the game is played that to me it's not a huge gap anymore. And if there's not a huge gap, then I don't need to expend energy draft picks and money to get the guy to get the girly type of guy it, it's very close it, it's very if close. it's close then then it's not close to me that's right you're right if if we talk girly and two of his backup running backs it's almost identical to where those three players produced last year 20 michelle james white burkhead combined for 2400 yards from scrimmage last year and 19 touchdowns Gurley had 21 touchdowns last year. Yeah. So he had a heck of a year. There's no questioning that. He had 1,800 yards himself. So maybe he's the anomaly here, and that's fine. And guess what? If he had 1,400 yards, maybe that knee isn't as bad oh. as it is now. You, you know what else Todd Gurley got? $45 million guaranteed last year. Yeah. And those three backs for the Patriots certainly did not get that. And, and then add another layer onto it. What we know the Patriots do so well is they – tailor those backs to the game plans on a weekly basis and that's the other isn't point. that something that a coaching staff would like to have that's that's the, that's the other point the flexibility the depth the safety mechanism you can build into this when you've got three players who combine for your one position and that's what they've been doing for years now this isn't new this is the patriots way like i'm i'm tagging it here when you've got all of those flexible options and you're still getting the same production as one superstar player is getting on another team at the same price, maybe more, right? How do you not go this route? How I do you not? I don't How know is that every you do. team not doing this? Part? Right. All right. To wrap up our running back discussion, because we want to get to Joel Corey, I want you to run through uh, some highlights of the lists of the upcoming right. running back free agents for 2020, and in turn, the guys who look like they have a chance to be cut to become free agents in 2020, of which they may not get paid anyway. I'm in roster bubble mode, obviously. I've been doing all these pieces, and I speak to it quite often. And when I started to see the, the list of running backs piling up, I got really nervous because I'm not sure. What's going to happen to Derrick Henry? Let's just start there. What's going to happen to Derrick Henry? They're going to run the you-know-what out of him this year, kill and him. then he's going to be done. It, it's going to be like the Dallas situation. I'm drawing a blank. Who was the, who was the running back in Dallas who went to Tennessee, by the way? Um, DeMarco Murray. DeMarco Murray. It's going to be just. Is that going to be every running back on this list? I'm afraid to say yes. Isn't it going to be? I'm I'm, I'm inclined to say yes. That's why Melvin Gordon doesn't want to play this year because he, he knows they're well. because he knows they're going to be they're, they're going, going to kill him. They're going to kill him because they're a they're a legitimate Super Bowl caliber team. Same with Zeke Elliott, right? They're yep. going to kill him. Yep. The, I mean, the Dallas Cowboys and the, and the Chargers are. Just, and then the when same he, team then right when now. he hits the market, teams are going to go. Yeah, you get too yeah, much to no more tread in your tires. No question. Not to mention injury history for both those players. So right. Run down the list. Lamar Miller in Houston. If he sticks, they're going to kill him. Gio Bernard, they're going to use him everywhere. They're going to kill him. I, did, uh, who's getting another contract here? Jordan Howard? No way. Eagles, Eagles are going to kill him for one right, year. Right. They gave up a, you know trade pieces to get him. Kenyon Drake? Maybe, maybe Kenyon Drake has a chance. He's on a bad Miami Dolphins team. 
Maybe Miami extends him. Maybe he sticks around. Yeah, but I, he's never had that role before, so that would have to be he's something. He's got a chance that's to break happened. out right now. Right is my point. Maybe well, and again, and and more than likely, Kenyon Drake, because you've got the Patriots' influence in their yeah. head coach, will be one of the three-headed running back <laughs> monsters in Miami. Call. Right. That's a good because call. he's a bit of a selectively selective kind of player. Kenyon Drake is. S- similarly, San Francisco brought in everybody. Yeah, Tevin Coleman. Matt Breida. And they get McKinnon McKinnon. So it's going to be a by-committee there. Does Tevin Coleman fall off this list? Probably. Tevin Coleman, Dean Lewis, Devontae Freeman, Duke Johnson, like we've talked about. Adrian Peterson's probably done after this year if he makes it through you know, the, the Redskins season. I, there's 15 players on this list, and, and they'll be continually being talked about on our site. I, 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 don't know, I don't like their future. I don't like their financial future at all, and I'm worried about everything. We, uh, if I'm a running back, if I'm a Melvin Gordon and, you know, to each his own with these holdouts. I'm not going to comment on that. That's we, we've talked about all the reasons, you know, why you should or shouldn't do that with Le'Veon Bell. But he he's banking on Le'Veon Bell right now. He needs Le'Veon Bell to have an absolute monster season to show everybody that they're wrong about to, the way they're to thinking. show everybody that there's a chance for these guys to really make an impact and and they're worth yeah. a paycheck. He's also banking on four or five rookies drafted somewhere between the second and fifth <laughs> rounds this year not coming in and lighting it up. It's very possible, right? Sitting yeah. here in Buffalo, I, I think the Singletary kid's got a that's, chance to be the starter. That's a lot of the chatter here in, with our hometown team is that, and I I agree with it completely, that the more likely that Devin Singletary is the Bills leading rusher this year than LaShawn McCoy and, and or what, Frank Gore. And what about the Rams? They've got now a rookie and two legitimate backups in Malcolm Brown and uh, John Brown. John Brown, is it? Doesn't matter. I, I, yeah. It doesn't. You'll you'll find out probably by week four when all of them are out rushing. <laughs> when you're Todd scrambling Gurley. to try to get them on yes, your fantasy team, that's my point. They're yeah. going to be maybe a four man committee out there, and Todd Gurley might be an afterthought by week eight, which is crazy. But if they're smart and they're seeing how this is all planning out, it, that's how it's going yeah, to happen. Quite a quite a transition at the position for longtime fans who go back to the right. days of the eighties, nineties, two thousands when running backs ruled the roost. It is not that way anymore. Lots of other things changing in the NFL, including heading towards a new CBA between the players' union and the owners, which could have some dramatic changes. Mike's got thoughts on that, and to help us interpret all of that, it is time for our special guest, longtime NFL agent Joel Corey. Well, it is now our pleasure to welcome in on the SpotTrack.com podcast longtime sports and NFL agent and NFL salary cap expert Joel Corey. Uh, you can read his incredible insights on uh, on his Twitter feed and various other uh, social media areas. And Mike, this is a, a great guy that I'm looking forward to hearing uh, his yeah. perspective on. Yeah, no better guy to have on right now to talk NFL money, specifically with the CBA situation. Joel's been all over it, and he's been... Uh, Firing back at a lot of a lot of requests and a lot of questions. He does it every day, which is awesome. Uh, so we're going to bring in Joel and ask just a couple of the surface questions about what might be happening, what changes might be made with in terms of money, especially going forward with this new CBA. Yeah, um, and Joel, let's let's start by I, I guess my first question before we get into the real nuts and bolts of it is is this or is this happening earlier than anybody should have expected or maybe you expected or is it just makes sense that these kinds of negotiations and maybe a deal getting done before a deadline might actually happen? It's happened way earlier than I ever anticipated because for the longest time the narrative had been that. D. Smith and Roger Goodell have no relationship, don't get along, almost to the point where if they both looked up and saw a clear blue sky, uh, one the other one might say it's cloudy. <laughs> so the, the fact that the CBA expires after the 2020 um, league year season, and we haven't even started the 2019 regular season, and the NFL league 
not Players Association, wants a new deal by the beginning of the regular season is something I don't think anybody could have foreseen two, three years ago. Does the NFL want this done because the media rights negotiations are coming up a little bit after the expiration of the CBA? Do they want to have this in place so they can go to uh, not just the networks, but everybody that they're going to talk to about media rights? Yeah, definitely, because labor stability means they should be able to uh, leverage everything into a better new package for all media rights on a uh, go-forward basis, because if the networks know there's not going to be any potential labor disruption, then that's paying for that type of peace of mind and not having a situation last time where there were clauses negotiated that the TV money still gets paid even in the event of a work stoppage, it won't be a consideration. <laughs> yeah. I, I know you mentioned how there's a, a strong rift between Players Association and the owners, owners right now, but... I think we're getting to a point where they kind of need each other, right, Joel? It sure sounds like that there is a direct connection between player revenues and new stadium money and how that's all going to hash out with this negotiation. Uh, I wonder if you could just speak to that a little bit in terms of these uh, these stadium credits that are built in and the player revenues and how much that might increase uh, because of that whole scenario. Well, since that's one of the things we know owners want, it gives the players finally a leverage point where – to maybe increase it, keep it the same um, as in the current agreement. Players, to me, first thing that they should priority prioritize is a bigger revenue split. Um, they get an average of 47% of all revenues, and the revenues is only as good as the definition of what is in the revenues. And that, that applies in any industry, not just with the CBA. Um, over the last CBA, the split was essentially 50-50. The closer they can get back to that, the better off they can be. So I think that should be the top priority over anything else, trying to get a higher split of revenues. And one of the emerging revenues is gambling revenue. So that could be the big growth area um, on a go-forward basis. You know, I've covered the NFL for a long time, Joel, and frankly, I was a little surprised that the stadium stuff is kind of built into this CBA agreement and that a percentage of the money comes from the players to fund the stadium thing. And and that's Mike's point is there's a there's a a lot of cities that are on the brink or or beyond the brink of needing new stadiums. Um, Has that always been the case? Has that is that something that maybe the average fan doesn't really understand that to some degree the players are funding new stadiums? funds i don't think i can't recall how the previous cba was 2006 but i don't think it was explicitly stated as in 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 this one but um just generally with stadiums as long as you got a city on the outside looking in um whatever owner can always kind of leverage to hold the the uh public hostage <laughs> to try to get money to stay put uh we've seen we've seen that be the case over and over again Otherwise, we wouldn't have the uh, Raiders moving to Vegas. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no question. All right, all right, next point, Joe. And this one, it really hits home with me because I, you know, I, I deal quite a lot with the, the nitty-gritty details of these contracts and specifically the fully guaranteed portions of them. Here's how this works, right? Just for an outlier for, the, for everybody listening. Any money that's fully guaranteed at the signing of an NFL contract has to go into an account. It's an escrow account. That's what teams have always had to deal with. Here's my point, and here's what I want to bring to you. Do we need that? Isn't the NFL making enough money now to where all that is is a leveraging point for teams to say, no, 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 we can't go any higher on the guaranteed money, and agents are sort of having to deal with that. 
Why, why do we need an escrow account for fully guaranteed money with a league that's so prosperous right now? No, we don't. We don't because you get the nail on the head. The league is prosperous. There's prosperity. There isn't any ownership group that is in jeopardy of not meeting payroll or going bankrupt. It's a convenient excuse that team executives have been using for years. I used to hear it all the time. I'd propose something. Uh, we can't do it because we'd have to fund it. And if I had a dollar for every time I heard that, I could probably <laughs> buy an NFL team myself. <laughs> and now that I'm not an agent, I've talked to some team execs who've been told by ownership that they can use that at their discretion or whenever they want to um, when they don't want to do something. The, the most famous one of that, I think, is the, the Khalil Mack situation with the Raiders, right? That was pretty well reported that one of the reasons why the Raiders couldn't and wouldn't sign Khalil to a big extension is because they didn't have the available cash, right? Is it, is that, isn't that one that a lot of fans would sort of go, oh, now I know what you're talking about? I'm a little skeptical that they didn't have enough cash on okay. hand to be able to actually do that deal. Um, I think that was more, let's put it this way. If Reggie McKenzie had remained in charge, and even though he was still there, Gruden was running the show, Khalil Mack would have been signed. Um, I'm not totally buying that one. All right. I agree. That'll that. that'll punch in the gut for every Raiders fan uh, who's listening right now. Yeah. All right. To the big one, and uh, I'm really interested to hear where you are with this because I know there's there are versions of how we can change the franchise tag. There's certainly an elimination of the franchise tag in play. Uh, that seems too drastic for you know quick negotiations like what seems like they're going to push for. W- where are we headed with the franchise tag? C- can we can we modify it? Can we adjust the second tag percentage point? What do you think? Uh, you're not going to see any anything drastic in this CBA if it's going to get done this quickly. Yeah. It's going to be based on the last one generally. But you're never getting rid of the franchise tag. If players want to get rid of the franchise tag, then they're going to have to have a long work stoppage, much longer than the last time, have games missed into the regular season, or agree to such a low percentage of revenues <laughs> to make it worth the uh, owner's while. Um one thing I'd like to see if you're going to do any changes is um, you can put a franchise tag on someone three times throughout his career. I'd like to see a two-tag limita- uh, limitation, whether franchise or transition. Mm-hmm. Um, but the interesting thing is just generally across the board, if you um, cumulatively um, look at what the franchise tags are under the new methodology, which is a cap percentage over the five-year period as opposed to average of the top five salaries just from the previous year. Collectively, the players are about 5% better um, across the board. There are individual ones which aren't as good, but collectively that change has benefited the players after the drop the first year that it came into existence. Um, I kind of like to see them more define the defensive positions because yes. uh, it doesn't make any sense that Davion Clowney is going to have to file a grievance um, when on the field to get a higher franchise tag number on the field. He essentially has the same function as Demarcus Lawrence. A 3-4 outside linebacker is an edge rusher. A 4-3 defensive end is an edge rusher. If you switch defenses, the 3-4 outside linebacker becomes a 4-3 defensive end in most cases. So I'd like to see edge rusher, interior defensive lineman, and off-ball linebacker. Uh, you typically don't see any off-ball linebackers get franchised. Last one was David Harris in 2011. That's the reason C.J. Mosley is $17 million per year. <laughs> you nailed because it. Because you, you weren't going to put any franchise tag. You weren't going to put a franchise tag on him. 
uh, for basically 15 and a half million. So he gets open market and gets 17 million per year. Now, if you had an off ball linebacker one, yeah, you, that position would be harmed because they would get franchised a lot more. Um, but still, it doesn't make any sense where there's a distinction between a three, four outside linebacker and a four, three defensive end. Yeah, the game has changed in so many ways, but in particularly the, the position definitions. I think that the CBA is going to have to change with it. One of the CBA issues that got floated out last week that had a lot of people talking, Joel, is the 18-game schedule, uh, eliminating two preseasons, and then that sort of players only play 16 of the 18 games. What's your thought on any of that ever actually happening? Um, the 16, 18 thing is one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. Of. <laughs> I think we have our answer. Yeah. That's a poor quote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah let, 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 let's say you've got backup offensive linemen playing with your starting quarterback for two games, and that backup offensive lineman is responsible for your starting quarterback getting hurt. Great. That's great. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think you're ever going to get to 18 unless the owners are willing to give the players some crazy incentive to do so. Maybe you can get to 17 and increase the playoffs and then you add an extra bye week. But uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I know they want more money because the whole thing is if we have more inventory, it should be more money we should get from media rights. But the league works fine of 16 games. I'm old, I'm old enough to remember when there was a 14-game, six-preseason game season. Um, but 16 and four, maybe you just eliminate a preseason game. Mm-hmm. I think we're all for that. Four, yeah, nobody needs four preseason games. Nobody watches that stuff anyway. Maybe the third one because it's kind of the dress rehearsal for at least a half. And even then, some teams don't play guys at all in the preseason anymore. Joe, I want to fire back one last thing here. I, I want to roll back to the franchise tag one more time here because it's a uh, – it's a team control situation, right? I mean, that, that, that is a situation where the player has absolutely no control, and we've seen it time and time again. And I, I don't think anybody can say Le'Veon Bell won that situation, right? I mean, no. holding out no. $14 million, that's never going to be a good thing. We've done a lot of work on the NBA this past two months, as you might imagine, with this craziness. And that is a completely opposite situation, right? That is a player-empowered league. They're making the decisions. They are demanding and forcing decisions. They are, they are forcing movement. And they're getting paid because of the movement. Is that something NFL players have to start to do, especially if they fear a franchise tag is coming? Do they need to go to the front office like an Antonio Brown and say, we're getting out of here right now before this gets any worse? Is that something that you, you foresee could happen? Um, no, because most teams take the position, we'll trade you when we're good and ready. And until it doesn't make sense for us to trade you, we won't. So... Antonio, yeah, football players have to raise enough of a stink. Um, sometimes uh, take the scorched earth approach, which is what I call what Antonio Brown was doing <laughs> to get out of town. Whereas basketball teams typically will try to accommodate a star player when he wants out because also their rules are a little bit different in terms of timing of when you can extend and so forth. Right. Um, but Basketball's always had a more enlightened approach to dealing with players, and maybe because one of five is uh, a lot more has yields a lot more power than one of twenty-two. Because even a guy like um, Peyton Manning was replaceable in Indy. Yeah, that's that's you're probably right. Great you're probably point. The nail head. 
Got one more thing for you. Mike and I started this edition of the podcast, first 10 minutes or so, talking about the running back position in light of Melvin Gordon. We talk a lot about running backs, how it's become the example of the analytics influence and the disposable most disposable position so I want you to put your agent hat back on and let whoever the example would be you've got a top flight running back who wants a new contract who's ready for a new contract who's earned it how do you as an agent deal with that player by telling him boy they're just not paying you guys anymore the the league has gotten away from the big money to your position how do you how do you handle that dynamic that's harder to say now, you could say it before Todd Gurley and before David Johnson because David Johnson got paid off for a crappy year. Um, so you do have examples of guys getting paid. It's not all going backwards like you had Chris Johnson and, and um, Adrian Peterson, and then it drops down to Devonta Freeman. But still, overall, um, it isn't the position you want to play. Personally, I'd never pay a running back. I would um, – run him into the ground, franchise him until it no longer made sense and find his replacement. But if I had a guy who was really good, um, I would uh, hold out when I had to and try to do like uh, Chris Johnson did and force the team to pay me. I don't know if Melvin Gordon's that guy. They were 4-0 without him last year. Austin Eckler's pretty good. He may be overplaying his hand. This is a team, I know it's not A.J. Smith anymore, but they have a history of playing hardball players. Joey Bosa had the longest holdout of any rookie under the rookie weight scale. I'm not sure he's the right guy to do it. I think Ezekiel Elliott has a better chance if he decides to hold out of being successful. Um, the Joneses, at least Steven, said he's the straw that stirs the drink. And they can remember a generation ago, uh, a running back who had a similar importance in their offense, um, held out. They went 0-2. That's and right. And had to pay him at Smith. So um, I think it depends on the particular running back. I'm not sure Melvin, Melvin Gordon is that guy. Interesting. Interesting to hear that perspective You know, from a guy who has uh, spent a lot of time on the player side of things. Really good stuff, Joel. I, I know that Mike is going to want to tap into your knowledge here as this CBA thing moves forward in the future. We appreciate the insight, and uh, we look forward to having some more discussions down the road. Sure. Anytime. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Joel. All right. Longtime sports agent Joel Corey. Well, we thank Joel Corey for some really cool insights. And again, this is something we're going to talk a lot about because it's going to have a huge impact on the most popular sport in the world. Especially in the, in locally, the, Paul. Especially locally with the yeah. stadium issues here in Buffalo, but a lot of stuff to talk about moving forward. Well, before he went off on his one-week sabbatical, we were able to catch up with Kevin Sylvester because we want to talk a little bit about the upcoming Open Championship and the odds and who the favorites are. We like to do that heading into the golf majors. So, Kevin, you are our golf Guru, what are you thinking about this one? I think I, I wish I was – I love golf in Ireland. I mean, yeah. it is uh, – I've been on a trip there. We went southwest. We didn't go to northern Ireland. That's where Port Rush is, and um, it, it looks amazing. You, know, you just go over the uh, hole by hole. I love how, by the way, every uh, golfer from Ireland's a member there. Like, they're honoring me. Like, oh, it's their home course, yeah. home course, home course. I'm like, how are they? They're not all from the – get it at birth. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but it's cool. Here's the interesting thing. Um, you know, Lynx Golf is different. It, it, it's a little different, but that course in particular, like if you're off, I mean, good luck finding the ball. Yeah. I mean, you just have you have no shot. And they even they set the grandstands back a little bit on a few of the holes, so players can't like you know sometimes players are like I'm I'm going to play it long if it hits the grandstand, I'm fine. But they have a drop area 
oh, I forget that. Forgive me for I remember the hole in particular. But the drop area is just it's you can't find the ball when you drop it. They were they were um, doing a sample on Golf Channel when they dropped the ball. Like where'd it go? So they try to, to prevent that. But all that said, you have to be straight on this golf course. Taking it on, um, you know, everybody's picking Rory because it's his home course and because he's the, he's the best driver of the golf ball in the PGA Tour. Um, I've seen it in person. You look at stat. I mean, he is the guy. I tell you, there's some holes you just can't be aggressive on. So finding the fairways can be a premium. That's why Tiger has a chance. I think so too. Tiger has a chance here because Tiger, I think, will play a, a ton of irons off the tee. Mm-hmm. He's, he he hits that low, you know, the stinger, that low flooded golf ball. Um, I think he's got a chance at this one. A lot of people said, ah, he hasn't been playing competitive golf. You know, maybe he's hurt again with his neck, whatever. I think he's got a chance at this one. Kevin, if Paul, if, if Tiger has a chance, why doesn't Phil? Well, Phil... I know he's been playing terribly. He is, but... But, but, but similar style, right? He's going to be strategic like Tiger Wood. It is the one... The Open Championship was the one I never thought Phil would ever win. Because he's just, you know, he's wild Phil, right? Just uh, hit bombs, you know, like he jokingly does on social media. And I just never thought he'd have the discipline to play uh, the different kind of golf. And yet he won one and almost won another. Right. That, I mean, it was like... A, it was like Djokovic and Federer that yeah. you Stenson and Mickelson, uh, you know, uh, battled it out for the Open I just wonder if his game has evolved, right? I mean, he's older. He knows his limitations now, right? I mean, why can't well, he just dumb it down a little yeah, for this kind of course? He can. He can. His putting's been terrible this year. Sure. Phil's putting's been terrible. And he did Is that, that bad? hard. hard <laughs> <laughs> I, I putted like him last week. I actually, <laughs> after one round, I switched to the claw and was draining him. So I, will, I probably won't go back. Um, but anyways... Phil did that hard reset where he fasted. He did like a six day. I think all he drank was a special coffee, and he lost fifteen pounds. He looks great. Yeah, uh, on the video. I mean, I'm, frankly, I I can't wait till they put that coffee recipe out. I need to do that hard reset for like two months. <laughs> but anyhow, <laughs> yeah, no, he's got a chance. I I like Molinari. Okay, uh, great ball striker. Um, you know, it's his long irons. Well, he'll find fairways. Very accurate. Off the tee, I think Francesco's got a chance. I mean, he won it last year. He's, he's got a great chance to repeat. Um, a guy like Graham McDowell is playing excellent yeah. golf. His home course again, another fifty to one, too, man. Disciplined player. I'd I'd put money on Graham McDowell I for like sure. That too. And you'd be foolish not to put money on Kepka. I mean, the guy's just he's a killer. Yeah, I, I, eight I would, to one on Kepka. Yes, it makes sense. You know, and he hits his long irons well. He's pretty accurate. Um, you know, he's he's got his caddies from Ireland. Yeah. So, you know, Ricky Elliott. So he's he's got some knowledge on the bag. Is he taking driver will. out, though? He probably will. Actually, they were they were looking at, uh, I think it was the fifth hole that goes into the sea. It's drivable. And Elliott's like, yeah, Brooks will be taking this on. Really? So, so I mean, but there's some holes that you just you shouldn't uh, in Lynx golf. And around the greens, it's a little different. You know, they're... You, you see guys on the PGA Tour hit these, you know, low check. You know, the ball doesn't check like mm-hmm. that uh, because of the sand base and such and the wind and all these other factors uh, over there. So you've got to be really creative around greens. That's where Phil comes in. I think the creativity around the greens, Tiger, a uh, great short game player. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, there's one other guy that's eluding me right now that that's a low ball hitter. Well, you know who I like? I like Fleetwood in this too. Okay. Tommy Fleetwood, he's shown up in majors. Hasn't really won anything. Everybody's picking Rom because he won at LaHinch uh, in the Irish right. Open. He, so he won on that aisle. But uh, you Fleet know, that, was right that in that. all the time. He's top 10 odds right now. He, 
Vegas is probably with you on this. Yes. They, they've got to think he's got a, a decent chance here. He's been playing well enough, uh, you know, through the last couple of years, and he hasn't broken through with a, a big, big win. In fact, Fleetwood Molinari, super tight with the odds right now. Maybe that's your parlay right there. Little exact a box on those two. Yeah, I, you know what? <laughs> Ryder Cup teammates, yeah. like that'd be a great exact a box there. Is yes. there a, is there a history of the European guys doing better at this tournament? You know, I mean, we're we're talking about a lot of guys who have some experience having played in, in Europe or whatever, or having you know been from there. Is, is that ever? I mean, there's a plenty of Americans well, that have won the Open Championship. This too. this championship is bigger for European players right. than any other. It's bigger than the Masters. For uh, the European players, the Open Championship, um, I mean, that is the best title that they can win. So, yeah, I, I mean, it means more to them. Um, whether or not we could say that they perform better, I, I don't, I, you know. It's I, not an accident that three of the names you picked are Europeans, right? Right, but, but I also <laughs> said, with Rory, right? I said Tiger, Kepka, you know, yeah. Phil's got a chance for sure. Um, so Phil's 100 to 1 because of his putting? Is that pretty much where we're at I right think now? so, yes. Okay. Yeah, and he, sp- he sprays the ball a lot, but he's disciplined enough to take iron. I mean, as long as, you know, his brother just is, keeps handing him long irons, yep. you know, <laughs> and not driver. You can't spray it on this golf course whatsoever. Okay. So, I, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it for sure. I love waking up to golf in the morning. Me too. You know, that, that part's great. I, you know, it's cool seeing guys in sweaters and skulk, you know, wearing toques <laughs> in the middle of summer. Over there playing golf, although what uh, Father's Day weekend I wore a toque to play in Buffalo, so I don't know what the hell. <laughs> Do we know what the weather looks like this week there? Well, it's it's Ireland. It's gonna be windy. It's always it's gonna be, gonna be windy, windy yeah. and wet. Right. Uh, oh, you know how's that? Um, right. Yeah. I, 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 if I gave you, if I had to give you a dark horse, right? Like a dark dark horse. Sergio. Well, no, no, I don't know. It's been a rough although, year, right? Man, Sergio is a good ball striker. But yeah, it's been a yeah. He's, I like Graham McDowell as the dark horse, fifty to one. Graham McDowell as a dark horse. Um, no, I'm gonna say Matt Wallace. Oh, be wow, your, be your dark horse. Look at that. But he's not really a dark horse. The fifty to one with Graham. Yeah, the guy's been performing well. I'm just talking about guys people maybe not have heard of. Matt Wallace would be a guy. No chance for would, Gary Woodland, right? Who's sixty to one? No, I see. It's a high cut. Yeah, and I just um, that what? But the guy plays well near the ocean. He's played great this year during the ocean. <clears throat> Kapalua, uh, Pebble Beach. Yeah. The guy's an ocean player, so. <laughs> We've learned nothing. <laughs> awesome. No, but like he, he'll be a sexy pick because he just won the That's U.S. Right. Open, That's right? That's right. It's like John Rahm's a sexy pick because he just won the Irish Open. Like eh. John Rahm's third in this list. I know. That's pretty high. Third on this pretty list. Pretty high. John Rahm will win a major at some point. He, he's a good up-and-coming guy, right? Well, Maybe he's not quite and, there yet. Been up and coming for the last four years. All right. I mean, he's arrived. I mean, he's won on the PGA Tour. He's won on the European Tour. Um, hits the ball a mile. I got to say this. I can't imagine Dustin Johnson doesn't win one major this year. Oh, I can. I, I can't. He's just been, um, you know, he won in Mexico. He wins every year, right? He wins a tournament every year yeah. on the tour. And I don't know, just something's been off yeah. for him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. But you know, the one thing, Dustin changes putters yeah. a lot. Like he wins with the U.S. Open, then goes to a mallet. Like, what, what what are you doing? Is it you money want... sponsorships? You think? No, it's just it. Sometimes it's feel. These guys, you know, they, they change all the time, and it's sometimes feel of a putter. Hmm. Sometimes just a, a different look, God, and they I start making. I wouldn't them. change my underwear after winning well, a major. Tiger, <laughs> so you know, Tiger, you know, he tried changing putters for sponsorship and money, and it's like not working. Yeah. Going back to or Kepka, he's been using the same putter. Matter of fact, Kepka does not have an equipment deal. You know how much money he's leaving on the table right now? 
Brooks Kepka does not have an. Equipment I don't understand. Deal. Why wouldn't somebody just buy his equipment? Because Kepka, well, he's got a mixed bag. They call it so. My you know, tailor-made driver, my, maybe my Zuno irons. He was playing Nike stuff forever, even after Nike got rid of it. <laughs> really? Like I was talking to his caddy at the Travelers. This is before Kepka became Brooks Kepka, right? And we're we're staying at the same hotel. That's why he wasn't Brooks Kepka yet. If he's staying at the same hotel I'm staying at, he hasn't really arrived. But anyhow, he uh, his caddy Ricky was out there with his golf bag waiting for the car to be pulled up, and I'm just looking. I go, he's still playing the Nike uh, the Nike Woods here. He's like, can't yeah, can't talk him out of. It. He loves him. You can't just get a pitching wedge sponsorship. You could, <laughs> you could, but they want you to have everything, right? Most, yeah. So if it's for the bag if, usually. Yeah. If Titleist wanted him to play Vokey wedges exclusively, want to, they probably want to be in the whole bag. Yeah. And listen, is he going to make more money? The guys switch equipment; they make more money when the equipment deal or no. by winning tournaments. By winning, yeah. by winning. By, if, I mean, if, I, if I'm any of those brand names, I'm just going to pay him. Well, you you want our seven iron? Here you go. <laughs> There have been times where I mean, he's, player may pull off a head cover that says one brand and maybe the club under it's a different brand. Interesting. interesting. <laughs> you know what the other interesting dynamic is? Is the final major of the year now. Yeah. For the first this time ever, it. right? That's right. So, yes, this is the final. Yeah, the Open Championship used to be the third, and it was the PGA. PGA, of course, moved to May. So this is the final major, and then they jump into uh, a World Golf Championship event. And then playoffs. And then uh, there's one more event. You want to talk about the money in sports? So think about this. The top 10 in FedEx Cup points, right? Yeah. Um, there's also a thing called the Wyndham Rewards this year. Top 10, uh, whoever's number one in FedEx going into the, the playoff. Gets a king-size bet. Two million bucks. No, he gets two million, million bucks. bucks. I'm just kidding. And they pay it all the way down to 500000 for 10th place. So there'll be players playing the Wyndham Championship. Hard. Yes. Yeah. Guys Hard. who would normally wouldn't play in it will be like there to preserve some cash. What's your three-second take on this major switch? On the timeline switch. Love it. Yeah, me too. Love I like it. that it's going to give way for football and baseball playoffs and all that. You I have like to. It. You got to get out of the way well, of, the, you do. Uh, of, the, of the behemoth coming down the road. They created a playoff system and a tour champion, and to crown all that before the NFL starts is brilliant. Brilliant. Yep. Yeah. Want to remind everybody, fantasy football nerds, did you miss out on the beta sign-up for Dynasty Owner? Well, good news. You can still get a lifetime discount by registering right now through their Indiegogo campaign. Here's how it works. Visit DynastyOwner.com and select a level of support. I Either 250, 500, 1,000, or 5,000. You'll lock in a dynasty team for life, plus additional gifts such as hats, shirts, Yeti mugs, game tickets, and how about a one week trip to a private villa in Mexico? Prizes vary based on your selected level of support. Gear up for the upcoming football season. It is on the doorstep right now with the first Dynasty salary cap fantasy sports game that not only plays the game week to week, but uses actual contracts and salaries, giving you the roster power of both coach and general manager. Visit DynastyOwner.com now to register your team and lock in a few great prizes and keep up, up with all the latest on the Dynasty Owner podcast wherever you subscribe. We had a good show, a lot of good in-depth NFL talk here, a little golf talk from Kevin Will. Dive in with the three of us again on some more cool topics. Mike, I don't know what you got thinking of for next week, but um, you always deliver for us. No? Nothing? No preview? I, I don't think of it until Monday night. So. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Inside the mind of Mike Gennetti and the Spot Track Podcast, we thank you for joining us on the latest edition of the Spot Track Podcast.